0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Natureversity podcast. Today, I am joined with Shay and Ashley from the Havenwood Nature School located in Dripping Springs, Texas. How are you two ladies doing today?
1: I'm doing Fine. good. Thank
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, as most of our listeners know, we just love having on guests who love nature, who love sharing their passions about nature with others. And what a better way to do it than exactly what Natureversity is all in its mission about, which is getting kids. Outside, so that's what Havenwood's about. So tell us about yourselves. Um, who are you? And um, yeah, we're let's do name first. So speak and then tell us your name, and then we'll know who's listening to who. Okay.
1: Um, so I'm Ashley Sowers. I am the assistant director of Havenwood Nature School.
0: Okay.
2: I am Shay Weaver Rec and I'm the executive director.
0: Very good. And what was it like uh growing up for you two?
2: Um, I grew
1: up outside of Houston. Um, when I was little, uh, my dad had like a lot of land that he grew up um, on. And so that was really important to him. When we were like in elementary school, we did this YMCA camping program and we did that like every month. It was like a dad and daughter thing. Um, so me and my sister did that and we went, you know, kind of all over Texas, Camp Cullen, uh, camping at. Um, like, at the Guadalupe, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I went to college at, uh, Texas State University, and my degree is in international business, so after that, I actually taught English in Korea for two years, and I lived in this really rural town, like, it was beautiful, it was quiet, um, kind of in a valley of bigger kind of towns, and, um, that's what really ignited my passion for teaching. Like I really just did it to travel and I was like, ah, I'm not I'm not gonna love this so much. But um my favorite school I taught at four different schools was the teeny tiny rural school. I took a bus twenty five minutes out to this um little school called Shimchan and I taught Um, elementary and middle school and like what they were so small one of my classes one semester had like two kids and we had a lot of freedom to like kind of do whatever we wanted and not following a set kind of curriculum and um, I did that for two years and then I came back to Austin and um, went to work at another nature school outside for um, I did that for about three years and that's how I met Shay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: very cool. Yeah. yeah, that's an exciting. I want to, know I want to hear more about like what you did over there. Yeah, and
1: um, I was just like a all immersion um, English speaking only class. Like I taught at four different schools, um, like fifth grade through ninth grade, and we just hopped around. I had a main school that I was there Wednesday through Friday. Monday, I went to the elementary school, took a bus there, taught fifth, sixth grade, and then um, went to, took a bus to the middle school, and then I taught. Uh, It's a little different. It's like uh, grade one, two, and three in Korea, and um, on Tuesdays, I had, like, another private school, and I went there, and then my main school was Wednesday through Friday, but it was was so, such an amazing experience, especially, like, fresh out of college. Um, They pay pretty well. It's a great way to like pay down student debt, highly, highly recommend it to anyone who's out of college and wanting to kind of get out there and do something outside of your comfort zone. It was a really amazing experience.
0: Very cool. Yeah. Um, did they have walls in the classrooms? Yeah. Okay. okay. So <laughs> it was actually, that I was went like through. Burning desire yeah. question. <laughs> oh, did, were you outside the whole time yeah, in Korea? No,
1: I mean, they, it's gorgeous. They do have like a ton of land, but um Um, they, I went through Epic, which is just the English Mm -hmm. program in Korea. And it's like, it places you in their public school system and, um, you get like a bonus for working rural (laughs) because everyone wants to be in the city. And, um, so it was really cool. It was really cool to like hop around and see a bunch of different, um, places within this really small town, um, in South Korea. Very
0: cool. Thank you. And Shay, tell us about your life growing up. What was it like?
2: Well, I grew up in the piney woods of East Texas, and so... stomping grounds. (laughs) Yeah, so I was um, outside pretty much all of my uh, formative uh, childhood years, no shoes, you know, running around, and um, just really enjoyed being in nature. And then um, as I was starting to, you know, get into high school and get some of my first Mm -hmm. jobs, um, there was a program they created for... um, uh, children in the city that I lived in who they knew would be latchkey kids and wouldn't have, uh, adequate, maybe childcare. Um, so we created this program and it was, uh, it, you could drop your kids off at the city park. And so we would be outside all day, um, doing activities for them and just helping other families in the city, making sure that their kids were safe and had activities in the summer. So I did that. Um, all throughout my high school career, and then in college, um, really started working with um, at-risk teenagers, and so um, in the summer, so I went to college in Abilene, at Abilene Christian University, and then kind of created a minor that didn't exist, but it was basically working with um, at-risk youth, um, and also working with um, homeless populations, looking for sustainable solutions to homeless homelessness and working with different programs. So that took me to Dallas, um, first semester working with the population there. It took me to New York two summers. So not not as much nature central park, sir, our, our our nature stomping grounds, but we were able to take like a group of kids who had only ever been in the city and we took them out to upstate New York. So that was really incredible to watch them Mm. and experience nature for the first time, even as like high schoolers. Um, and then I also went um, – after I graduated, I went to Los Angeles and worked with um, some youth there as well. So, so I've always worked with youth, um, usually in, in programs that I could be outside in nature. It just kind of naturally fell that way. Um, and then came back to Austin as I started having kiddos of my own. And then um, – so um, Havenwood. So I um, took some years off to raise my kiddos. I've got um, – so I've got a 24-year-old who, uh, his name is Tess. He came to live with us when he was 15 from Ethiopia. And then I've got a 14-year-old who attends Ann Richards downtown. Uh, and then I've got a 10-year-old who also joined our family from Ethiopia. And then I just had a little baby who is two months old. So congratulations! have a yeah. huge <laughs> That's awesome. But um, so I think, you know, through that, um, so – kind of getting to the outdoor nature school. When I went back into uh, the teaching field after taking several years off uh, being a mom, I went to uh, a smaller nature school. I was working first as a summer camp counselor, um, creating programs there, and then um, took on their kindergarten department. But it, in trying to figure out teaching kinder, um, you know, making sure you're covering everything that you would in a, in a public school setting, but having a nature aspect to it. So um, through doing that, uh, when I finished up that year, I was um, promoted to being director of the school. And then um, being director for a few years, I had a family approach me who had a daughter who was about to age out of preschool. They loved the program. They really wished for something for her that would continue to go on, potentially all the way to 12th grade. So then I was approached with, would I ever consider creating a school? that would go through 12th grade. And I thought, well, (laughs) there'd have to be a lot of pieces that kind of come together. And um, this family, Cody and Brittany Roberts, found this beautiful 15-acre property in Dripping Springs, Texas, um, you know, not far down the street from where they live. And it it was just incredible. And, you know, we looked at different properties, but when we saw that one, like, you see it, and you know, like, this is it. Mm -hmm. And so this is a property... The owner um originally had seventy five acres. He was selling fifteen, and there's this beautiful home that he had built from his bare hands, like and he'd lived there for fifty years. then he had created this barn. And so we had this great bone structure to start the school. and um, and so right as we were um, transitioning to create, this campus is when COVID hit. So everything shut down. Wow! And so we were kind of renovating the property. So it didn't kind of, I mean, it slowed progress in the sense of like getting permits and offices were closed and everything stopped, you know, but I think I always say the positive to that part of life is, um, when everything stopped, like all my kiddos were home and we were trying to figure out life during that period. Plus here's this great, you know, new adventure that we're on, uh, and I don't live too far from where we are right now. Every evening, you know, before or after dinner, we would go outside because everything was closed. And we would find new hiking trails. And there's a lot around this area, especially. And um, trails that had literally been there since we had lived in this area that we had never never explored and especially never explored. For instance, like March of 2020 and, and, and when all the wildflowers are in bloom because we would have been in school and, school nights get crazy, you know, and, and just rediscovering um, what not just our surroundings, but just the love of being outside and just what it does to you as a person and the balance that it brings. Um, And then I guess having that going on in our own personal lives and creating a school, how do we create this great balance where academically um, our students would be, um you know meeting every expectation um antique skill that they would if they were in a public school but also being emotionally and mentally balanced and hopefully having uh, a love of nature and and all these subjects that you could that are normally taught inside the walls of a school why can those not be taught outside and and what will what will nature enhance i always say like when you're sitting out journaling what are you going to write about when you're sitting out and you're listening to the sounds and you're feeling a breeze across your face and um, versus you may not have felt that, you know, if you were inside the walls of a school. And so, um, so that really kind of was the birth of Havenwood and um, um, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> There's just so much to that. Um, but we started, uh, we we finally opened our doors in um, August of 2020 And we had about nine classrooms and probably about 60 or 70 kiddos when we opened. And we are about to open our 19th classroom with about 300 students. So it's grown pretty exponentially since then.
0: Very good. That's amazing. And uh, where did that name come from? Where did Havenwood come from?
2: So we sat down um, with our owners and, I mean, throwing out names just i i think we literally started with like a hundred names and then uh you, you try to narrow it down and it was our owner one of our owners cody roberts who just said what about Havenwood and haven just this kind of peaceful mm-hmm. safe place um because you think about it, it's not so we, we are, You know, we we started as young as, like, three months, and we go all the way. Um, We now go through preschool, and then there's a private school that's joined us, um, Acton Academy of Dripping Springs, which will cover kinder all the way through 12th. Very cool. Um, And so it was this, I mean, imagine bringing your young child, you know, you want it to feel like you're dropping them off with a a family member, like it's Mm -hmm. a safe haven, a safe home, environmental feeling. Um, and then we are in, in these beautiful, um, woods surrounded by trees that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. So it's just, it's, it's a, it's a gorgeous dream property to have come across and we're excited and thankful.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. And what kind of, what kind of things are y'all teaching there?
2: Well, we do, um, so it's know, like a
0: full school. So it's, it's yeah all, it's not like a uh, enrichment. Right. This is full on Monday right. through Friday, mm-hmm. but they have a choice. They can go Tuesday Thursdays. They can go mm-hmm. Monday Wednesday Fridays. Yeah. And so parents can kind of pick and choose to create their own unique homeschooling um, opportunity for their kids. Yeah. So that's really cool. And what uh, you said, nineteen classrooms. Yeah. That's a lot. It <laughs> is. <laughs> how how does that man? How does that manage? Like, how did you you said you started with nine, hmm? and where were those nine in the home built? By the gentleman whose property it was?
2: Mm-hmm. In the home. Oh. So, in the home, there are four um, classroom spaces, and then our offices are in the upstairs portion of that home. And then um, we had a barn that we created four more classrooms in. And then we built, um, when we opened, we had uh, built a couple of additional classroom spaces. So, um, so that's kind of our starting ground. And then and then the next year we added a whole nother, just kind of pushed out our property a little bit more and ha- added, um, uh, just we've kind of built it into our, our pre-K buildings and then it's also where Acton Academy is. And so we had developed the first uh, five or six acres where it's classroom spaces and outdoor play structures, climbing structures, educational spaces. And then we kept um, like the back 10 acres open because part of an enrichment program that um, was really important, was bringing in a naturalist and making sure we had someone there who was educated and knowledgeable. Um, she has her master's in environmental science, and she can literally take them on hikes and educate as they are hiking throughout that space. Um, each, each classroom gets two nature classes um, a week. They get, uh, we have a different teacher that comes in, and so and working with our gardening program, so they get a garden class They get um, art and yoga and then um, kind of things that kind of tie it together. So we have a a chef that's on campus and he will cook everything every morning from scratch. And it's, you know, hoping to have the kids part of that food growing process, like, Mm -hmm. It's a lot of kids, so there's more food that we, you know, we're not able to farm to table everything that we eat, but we do want the kids to be a part of understanding where their food sources come from. And they're so excited about it. Oh, I bet. And then uh, there's animals, so they can visit them. They can be part of their care. They can go check on the chickens and the ducks for eggs and take those to the kitchen, just kind of a roundabout program. And so for parents that are thinking that their kids won't eat this, healthy, great food. It's like, they're excited because they're part, if you grow a carrot, if you grow, you know, something that you're going to pull from the ground and harvest yourself, you're going to try it and you're going to yeah. be so proud and excited to, to try that. So,
0: you know how people say, um, Oh, that kid's an old soul. Mm-hmm. You know that mm-hmm. I, I always, I always respond with like, when they say that about a kid, I'm always like, have they ever gardened? And they're usually <laughs> like, Oh yeah, yeah. They, yeah. And I'm like, Oh, there's this <laughs> common thread here. Cause I think that when, man, well, I don't remember what the story was, but I read a story one time about how this king basically got done with, you know, being a king. And he was like, all right, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And I think one of his like side people was like, look, man, I would just garden. And he's like, okay, I'm going to take up gardening. And I think it gives that. I don't know. I don't know what being a king is like. So I'm not about <laughs> to like, you know, project here. But I think it still gives that opportunity to be graceful. Yeah. Like with I, I, your vegetables, I don't want to say your subjects. <laughs> but you're trying to cultivate something, but I think if if you're in the the light versus the shadow of a king energy or a queen energy, then you're trying to receive from the populace. And I think that's the same with the garden is you're trying to receive the gifts. Like so pouring yourself and doing the best you can with the soil and the the, um, watering and just all of it. Even just being out there present Mm -hmm. with the garden. I feel we just moved into this house like uh, a couple weeks ago and we left our garden at our old place. And I'm just like really bummed. But um, Mm -hmm. we've already got all this cool stuff happening out back here. And I just... I'm I'm missing my garden now that I'm talking about it. But I'm so happy to hear that there are schools that are just doing the full thing. And so let me ask you this question. I don't, maybe you weren't ready for this, but <laughs> is there any like um, animal husbandry type stuff going on? So are you like any doing any butchering of goats? Are you raising goats? Do you have any chickens? Are you doing... Oh, we're, you know,
2: well, we don't, yeah, we don't butcher them, but yeah. we do, um, we're raising... We
1: have two goats. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two little pygmy goats. Their names are Cinnamon and Sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, we have chickens and ducks. A rooster, two pea hens. We have a thirty-year-old uh, salcata desert tortoise. Oh, cute! Mm-hmm. Salcata, um, I love those mm-hmm. bunnies, guinea pigs. <laughs> we have a whole like brood. Yeah. Um, we get different like baby animals on loan from a farm. So our last baby goat was like a bull goat and we just keep them until they get a little too big for the kids to interact with. Um, And then they're just returned to their farm that we have them on loan from. So we've had two baby bull goats. We had a baby lamb Mm -hmm. um, and they, we get them when they're just a few days old. So they're all bottle fed. They're super sweet. The kids get to interact with them. Um, we have pictures of some of the kiddos who have now uh, like gone on to kindergarten when they were three and just holding this tiny baby goat in their arms. Um, and so they definitely love it. There's feed for the kids to come in and feed the animals and interact with them as well.
0: Yeah, that's so great. Uh, that The reason I ask about that other question is just because we have so many, you know, families who they want that. Mm-hmm. So they come to Nature University because you know, some of the aspects of the older programs for the older kids, like they are going out and, you know, crawfishing and Mm -hmm. catching fish and cooking them like right there on the spot. And uh, it's just, it definitely changes perspectives. And I think it gives you an appreciation for life. Speaking about my backyard again here, there (laughs) are these things called Hispid cotton rats that live out here. And they're basically like voles. If you don't know what a vole is, voles occupy the niche. It's kind of like under grass, Mm -hmm. not really quite like a, Norwegian or Norway rat that you see like running around street cities <clears throat> these things are a little bit cuter I think they're like uh anyway look up Hispid cotton rat so we have a bunch of them living out here in this grass field and lately the hawk mm-hmm. has been picking them off and eating them like on our deck oh. like right in, and so my girlfriend's like I can't I just I can't sit there and watch that, you know. But I yeah. I tell her I'm like, look, it's just a fact, like that, you know. Because I always ask the kids at nature versus today. I say, you know, who do you feel bad for? Do you feel bad for the rat that's being eaten, or do you feel bad for the baby hawks that are starving because they can't be fed, and they're so torn? <laughs> and I'm like, exactly, like that's that's a part of life that you kind of have to understand and acknowledge. So yeah, with the gardening, I think it's just as important um, as the um, harvesting of meat and things like that. Do y'all have water on your property?
1: We do. So we have um, a duck pond that we just put in. Nice. Um, So there the animals like can go in and swim around and we have like a little river that leads into it. So the kids can um, play in that, it's like a little small. creek. Yeah. I mean, it's um, Wet weather. kind of built it up. So oh, okay. You c- it's uh, maybe like an inch or so or less of, of water, but the kids can go in and like uh, touch the water and it leads into the ducks and that we have like a little bridge that goes over it. And a lot of the times the ducks will like hide in the shade under the bridge. And so we'll take um, tours across and we'll cross the bridge and they all go scattering out into towards the duck pond. Um, so that's one of our like 12 nature stations, uh, that we're working on to get certified as an official nature school. And one of them, um, is like some type of water station. So we Mm. have this really nice, uh, Creek and that leads into
2: our duck pond.
0: Interesting. What does that mean? Certified official nature school. Who gives you that certification?
2: Um, one program is Nature Explore, and so they have certain, um, I guess, you know, they talk about certain different educational stations that you would have built a, a, across so that there is some sort of um, requirement, you know, that would kind of certify you, and then you kind of go through that and certain trainings that they have, and, then, uh, and they've got a program for the U.S. So once you are certified, you're on their website, and you can kind of see all the different schools around the country and what they're doing and all their different pro- uh, projects.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Um, I mean, (laughs) just (laughs) getting to know me a little bit more like I'm just so antithetical to any organization or government institution that's going to dip their fingers into anything that I'm doing because everything that they they touch just gets destroyed, just like absolutely (laughs) obliterated. And so when they came into Washington state and they were like, look, here's your new guidelines for all these nature schools. I read through that whole 165 pages and I was just like, this is appalling because every instance was like turning the corner corner of oh you just got done being outside for five minutes you're gonna wash your hands and it Mm -hmm. was like that's an official thing and I'm like what how Like who's signing off on this stuff? So my apologies, but I'm always like raising eyebrows as soon as I'm like, oh, that's official. Like (laughs) who says that's official? I think we're in a mode mainly because of Corona that people are deconstructing stuff, you know, so I think they're trying to get away from things like that more than they're, they're allowing. But I get how if that organization's ethos isn't necessarily tied to something that's so rigid and structured um, that it could be beneficial for all, all parties involved, meaning all the schools who become accredited Nature Explorers facilitators. So now I'm going to look into it for Natureversity. <laughs> right? Here I am. <laughs> That's bad. Okay, I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's the way the world works. You can't beat them, you join them. So um, I'm excited to hear more about why y'all both feel just nature connection is such a vital role in people's lives. Like, what does it mean? What it says to, to the families who may be listening to this and they haven't really considered that concept. What, what can you tell them? Why is nature, right. Nature connection important?
2: I think kind of going back to what you were just talking about. I think, you know, I feel like when we were, especially creating Havenwood, you know, and why a nature school or what is it? You know, I feel like there was, people try to make things very black and white. Like a school is either very academically, mm. um, it's very strong academically, or uh, there's another school nature or not that they're outside all the time, but they're not necessarily learning, which there's a whole lot we could say about what you learn when you're outside, sure. right? Um, and what people deem, you know, academics versus, you know, paper and pencil inside all day versus what you're going to learn through, you um, being hands-on, outside, play-based, mm-hmm. um, and all that comes with that, and I think uh, I, I think having the school open during COVID because more people, I think, were experiencing maybe something similar to. In their own lives, like everything stopped. Mm-hmm. And so we were so rushing all the time. We were, maybe I grew up and I, or maybe I had, you know, in my younger years had spent a lot of time in nature. I don't have time for it anymore. Well, we had all the time in the world at that point um, to get back to those roots. And I think in that time where there was so much, so many unknowns in the world, like what is this thing and what's going to happen? And what happens if I get, it and what happens if, Going outside was that place of peace and safety, which for many people you had just stopped doing, yeah. and it it almost in a way forced us. I remember walking around my own neighborhood, like, look how many people are outside right oh, now that so would never be outside ever. Yeah. Yep. And so saying hi
0: to one another, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah.
2: And so we're all experiencing that, and then you know talking to families as they're coming to tour the property, like. This this is just as as important as as you know as the academic or the the, the worksheets and the paper and this you know what about the what about our well being happens what changes when your shoes are off and mm-hmm. your feet are touching the soil like that connection that you have like that's just as important and being able to take um, care of ourselves uh, mentally and emotionally like that's you know. Um, it, it, we were talking about like social, emotional, it's all just as important. Being kind, loving human beings is just as important as knowing our alphabet, yeah. not more. Mm-hmm. So this was a time where um, it was really bringing everything back in and saying, I think we've lost this. I think we've forgotten about this. And this is really, really important to all of us. And it's almost like this rebirth. And so we're starting over. So we get to create for us, we get to create this place where all of that is equally as important and there's this balance. There's this holistic balance going on where it's not one is more important or you can't have one without the other. We can have all and we're here to kind of prove that.
0: Yeah. that's how I feel too. I think we've definitely perceived the world through this lens of like uh, ego, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, we're we're above all of this thing, all of these things. And, Mm -hmm. um, I always tell the kids, I'm like, look, man, if you think you're top dog in this life, like, (laughs) why don't you go hang out in mountain lion and bear country? (laughs) Just like with just nothing. Just go hang out up there and just like, and then ask yourself, do you really feel like you're the apex predator now? And um, even just here in Austin, Texas, when the weather gets bad and you don't have adequate clothing or shelter, like that (laughs) could be detrimental, you know? So you start realizing uh, you, I, I always say to the kids, stop thinking feelings feel them because they're real like yeah. that's life you're cold right now like what are you going to do <laughs> what's going to happen what's going to change if you don't do anything about it what's going to happen and I like that so nature connection to you is really uh just a major part of bringing balance yeah. so and and I get, I agree because how can you look any human right in the eye and say that it's not because evolutionarily that's where we've been we're not supposed to be in these walls. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to be in these things or doing any of these things that we're doing to, for that matter. Um, and Ashley, what about you? What does nature connection mean to you?
1: Um, definitely. the I'll agree with everything Shay said. A big part of our school is like teaching the kids, um, kind of them as a whole, like, uh, teaching them emotional regulation, teaching them to be in, um, Recognizing their own emotions and how you feel, whether it's inside your classroom or outside on our grounds and teaching them to use their big voices and um, co- teaching them conflict resolution, teaching them to be kind human beings. That's definitely um, first and foremost what we want to do with the kids. Uh, they will learn their ABCs. They will learn how to count. They will learn all these other things. But in their early years, especially, you have this small window to create really amazing human beings. And um, that's what we really like to do. And having them outside, I mean, they're the most calm. Your crazy parts of your day is, like, when you're inside those four walls. And we tell our teachers, like, hey, just take them outside. Like, if they need a moment, it's okay to stop whatever you're doing and just transition outside. Um, They have access to all of our grounds. You don't have like specific areas you have to stay in. Um, Go wherever. We give the kids the freedom of choice. So a lot of our curriculum is regio-based, which is all about giving the kids choices. Where do you guys want to go for the day? What are you interested in exploring? Um, So all of the teachers do like observations on the kids and guide their learning based on child interest. So it doesn't matter if they're when it's raining and the snails are coming out or the frogs are coming out, they may learn about snails and frogs and life cycle. Um, it doesn't have to be this cookie cutter. Here's your lesson for the day and you're going to hit X, Y, and Z. It's really more about connecting with the kids and guiding their learning based on their interests and having them engaged in what you are teaching them in a very natural way where they don't think like, oh, I'm learning. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I have to sit, but they, they are, they're, learning so much by, um, being outside without sitting down at a desk and, and writing. So to me, that's what it's about. We tell our teachers, you can do all your lessons, any activity you can do inside, you can do outside. Um, we have a bunch of different, um, spaces. We have like outdoor eating spaces where the kids can eat outside. They can eat picnic style for their meals. Um, we have a really nice deck that we have, that the classrooms meet for yoga, but you can go and do your lessons and activities out there as well. Like utilize all the space we have. Um, don't feel like you have to be confined inside the four walls of your classroom.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a lot of passion led learning. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And so have y'all um, ever heard of uh, like the eight shields model of mentoring with John Young and all of that? Y'all familiar with that? Oh, wow. wow. Oh man. <laughs> We have to have a chat after yeah. this. <laughs> it's a really cool, um, I don't know, if, if you've ever heard of a gentleman, his name is Joseph Cornell. He basically he created something called flow learning. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much what we do at Nativersity. So mm-hmm. we inspire in the East, You know, we activate, we focus, and then we integrate or share. So it's just this flow cycle of things. But in that model, um, there is the same thing. It's passion led learning. So mm-hmm. if we come in and we're like, all right, we're going to do forts today. And then the kids are like totally geeking yeah. out on this <laughs> pack of vultures. That's just devouring an armadillo. We're like, all right, let's switch gears. Cause yeah, it sounds yeah. like y'all are really excited to know about mm-hmm. these vultures. And so we use, I don't know if y'all do this too. We use something we call the art of questioning and it's just constant, even though we know the answers and they're like, what's this bug? I don't want to be like, that's a cottonwood bore because if I say that it's going to take all the Excitement out of it, yeah. You know, so if you use this art of questioning opportunity of like, I have no idea, like, what is it eating? What is it doing? Why is it upside down like that with its head stuck in there in that tree root? You know, what is it? Where does it go at night? And are there more? Are there? So, I'm curious. Do y'all ever get into the art of questioning, like, when you're out there and utilizing those models?
2: Yeah. So we we would say, especially as you know, our instructors are instructors are coming in. It's not a lecture based it's not exactly what you said. I've prepared this for today. This is what we're mm-hmm. going to learn, whether we like it or not. And yeah. so what did you, you
0: call that? What based lecture based lecture based? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of veer away from that. Even like I said, if they continue on to act Academy, they're definitely not a lecture based either. So it kind of flows right directly into that. Um, if they want to continue that um, for their further educational years, but I kind of, um, so we'll have an idea. So the Reggio inspired portion of creating curriculum is I'm looking at my classroom and they're really interested in a certain subject. So that's kind of our, our starting point. But if we get out there and, um, I tell the story sometimes when I was, uh, Uh, I think it was when I was working with a summer camp because there were different ages of children in in this one group. We had gone out to have our garden class. And then in the middle of garden class, a little friend kind of ventures over and finds a teeny, tiny little frog. And then he finds this little um, container. And so he turns to the rest of the children and he says, let's build a habitat. And so you've got a couple things going on. You've got um, different age groups. You've got the older kids teaching the younger kids. And they. this was not in the plan. So as a teacher, you've got to let go and you've got to um, let this organically happen. And I just stepped back and I just said, okay, you know, what we had planned, we can always come back to that. But this moment is so... Um, organic and there's so much learning happening as we are building this habitat for a frog and then now what is this frog going to have to eat and how are we going to keep it alive and I think about how that lesson naturally happened in that moment versus how would that have been different if I came in with a worksheet about the life cycle of a
0: frog exactly
2: what what's going to be more interesting what are they going to remember they had their hands in the dirt creating its it's a little home and yeah. then they have to figure out how are we going to keep this alive what do they eat um and and that was that was their learning project for a while you know and uh, amongst other things but i always think of that moment of what would we have missed if I said, no, 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 we can't let it go. We can't do that right now. We're here for garden. We're here for this. We would have missed this beautiful. And that, that has stuck with me forever. And like those are the moments we're looking for. So am I flexible enough to let them happen and to step back and kind of, I just documented, I wanted the parents, I wanted them to know, like this is what your kids did today. And it was amazing. And they named him as his Fred and he was the frog (laughs) and he stayed with us, you know, for as long as he could. And, um, just, that is the beauty of it, and that's the beauty of uh, of being outside, and, and just one of the many lessons you you take away that you didn't even plan for.
0: Yeah, we have a little thing; it's called Tiny Town at <laughs> university, and it it's on a creek, so it always gets washed away. But the kids love to rebuild it, and it's always involves frogs and the same thing. So, yeah, you'll have um, I guess what a lot of people would call like an invisible school approach. You know, so kids are coming there, they're having a blast, they have no idea that they're learning. Mm -hmm. But I always say, you know, to the families, I'm like, look, your kid is not going to remember their best day on an iPad. Like, Mm -hmm. but they're going to remember the day where they rubbed two sticks together and made fire. And do y'all do any of that though? Do y'all do primitive skills or survival skills? Do you do knife carving, fire making, fort building?
2: We have it. And uh, for the for the age group that we're with, so from three months to um, yeah, I guess that's out of the question. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there's there's minimum standards you have with a preschool, and yeah. so that they, that's those really have that yeah. <laughs> those again, <laughs> what's standards and I'm yeah. like, Nope, sticking with the <laughs> five year olds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. two hundred and fifty <laughs> pages worth of them. Um, yes, when you are a, a certified preschool and you have over twelve students. Yep. There's so the water you have to be really, you know, mm-hmm. it, it has to be it can't be anything that would be um deep enough that that a child could be harmed or drowned or things Correct. like that. So there there's so many of those so it's it is a, a fine balance uh, to have um to have that in place but to want to be able to um have those those types of programs.
0: Yeah. Well, there's still a lot of opportunity to, you know, the acton kids i guess could because mm-hmm. you said that they're a part of your school but they're not like they're in the same building is that is that my understanding so they're, yeah, they're on the same land they yeah sh-
2: we share the same mm-hmm. land Got and it. so we will um when we first opened we went through um like infancy through kindergarten mm-hmm. and then acton came in the second year and since their philosophy is is it's it's montessori based it's um it's very child led um and and it's a perfect flow from Havenwood, um, if that's what the families are looking like looking for in their um, educational. So they they took over. They call it Spark, but that's their kind of kindergarten age program. It can be, I think, it's four to six years old, mm-hmm. and then they venture into. Um, I think we went to fifth grade, and now it's going in the next year to middle school, and then it you know plans will will go out into twelfth grade, and so. Um, they very much get to be a part of what they're learning, um, and so it yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I'm just I'm I was just curious about the survive like uh, the outdoor p- aspect of Acton, mm-hmm. and do they have the same kind of approach that Havenwood does? So are they allowed to like, oh, the teachers can go teach us outside too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so amazing. they
1: have. Um, they don't have teachers; they have guides. So they have, ah. they yeah, they're mm-hmm. called guides. So they are very much, um, kind of s- step back and let mm-hmm. the kids, um ask the questions and very much with your question, um, leading, they don't provide the answers to the kids. They really want the kids to, um, a lot of like self-governing and, um, exploring what their interests are, what their interests are and wanting like mastery of those Interest. so instead of like a public school system where you're sitting down and someone's lecturing to you you get really good at memorizing and regurgitating things and um, they want the kids to take away like you're not doing you you have a guide that is going to step back and let Uh, the kids kind of take the reins and they are combined. So their elementary school is a combined first through fifth grade and their um, middle school is the same. And so you have the older kids kind of teaching the younger ones and guiding them um, based on whatever they are interested in.
0: Very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm uh, just in awe of any type of program that allows that kind of cooperative educational experience to take place because It's, you know, and we have age segregation and age diversity. Obviously, the five- and six-year-olds don't tag along with the 13-year-olds all the time. But the 13-year-olds do come in, and they do help the five- and six-year-olds understand concepts of breaking rocks and throwing sticks and shooting bows and arrows and things like that. But I just can't help but feel like that is such a weird part of American culture that doesn't take place in public education. And, like, you get... Like, I'll just be honest. I was this guy when I was young. Like, I did not like kids. I hated kids when I was young. I was like, God, I can't believe, like, people would want to work with kids. (laughs) And I took this uh, test, and at the end, they were like, you'd be a great teacher. And I was just (laughs) like, whatever. And, uh, yeah, my very first opportunity to work with kids, I was like, dude, I had a blast. Like, this was so much fun. And it really, I think, brought me a different perspective on life of that, I don't know. Again, maybe it's just because of uh, the culture, which is like go school, job, yeah. life, like things. But I wanted. I'd I'd seen so many other cultures of whether it be Native Americans, uh, people from Papua New Guinea, um, I mean the Kung, the Kalahari of Africa, um, the San Bushmen. That I'd seen so many cultures and how they had grown up and the way that they interacted with one another and the only thing that i could see is just like this is a community no matter what Mm -hmm. you know like the fire was the central of the village that in that you know culture and the songs and the dance and these ceremonies and so that's what we pulled in to natureversity big time is um you know, today we were, all the teachers were practicing their fire making skills and I taught them all these songs and they were just like, where the heck did you get all these songs? <laughs> I was like, I have no idea, but aren't they amazingly fun to sing? Gather, gather round and the ways of old. And they were just having so much fun spinning, you know, this bow drill kit while sweating in the rain. Yeah. And, um, it's still something again. I just feel it comes alive when you're outside getting to practice these types of skills with anyone, whether it's adults, kids, but kids in particular because they go off on these tangents with questions Mm -hmm. and interests. And I was at uh, Walnut Creek Park a while back exploring and I was watching this little three-year-old and dad Mm -hmm. was like, pulling her along and she's like wanting to go the other way and he's pulling her along and and i i was like hey dad i was like maybe you should let her be the guide and he was like he just looked at me like how (laughs) dare you And, and he actually was like let go of her hand and he was like well show me what you want to show me and i just walked off i didn't see what the end result was but you know she could she said something that was interested to her and if only adults could have potentially gone to Havenwood and come out with this (laughs) sense of curiosity. Cause it sounds like that's what y'all are creating is a lot of interest in everything. So what about, so on, on your website, I was reading through before y'all came on and I was reading about this particular thing, um, STEAM academic goals. Can you just talk more about that a little bit?
2: Yeah. We want to make sure that when the kids do come through the school, um, you know, many of them are going to go on to public school when they, when they graduate pre-K we wanted to make sure we're we're meeting those same elements that they would find in a public school. Um, the teaks, for example. Yeah. Um, you'll still see those in our lesson plans, but it's kind of reversed in the sense of um, you know, in a public school, teachers will take their teaks and they'll build their lesson plans to make sure that they're covering those teaks. Whereas if you're doing it in a more Reggio inspired way, you can have a have a lesson that kind of naturally occurs and then from that you can look back and think well what teaks did we cover through this lesson so it's vice versa i'm not forcing this to happen uh i'm seeing what we have learned and covered through that so it's kind of like a a reversal um still lots of arts tons of science when you're outside um just different programs that you think about we're still going to make sure that when uh, for example the children right now who this is their last year of pre-k before they go to kinder they're still going to hit all the things they're going to know how to count to 30 they're going to know what their alphabet is they're going to, they're going to meet these same requirements that if they were in a public uh, pre-K for this age group we're going to make sure that they know up they're going to get everything that comes with it they're going to get the enrichment programs they're going to be outside hopefully at least 50% of their day and kind of like you said when they leave Havenwood our goal is that they have created this love of learning that hopefully yeah. will last them the rest of their life. Yeah. Um and that's been the cornerstone and the foundation of of everything that was built upon.
0: Yeah. That's all I want cuz I feel like the moment I got out of high school, I don't know if y'all went to public school, but I did. I was just like, man, I never want to go back to that. Place. Yeah. <laughs> it did not instill in me a sense of wonder mm-hmm. and curiosity and passion. It just I kind of felt like it like robbed me of my identity a little bit um and who I really was because I was excited and passionate growing up and uh I had to go back out to the woods. I was j- just totally determined that I was never going to live in so- society and mm-hmm. do any of this stuff. Here we are talking on a podcast. Uh-huh. But I <laughs> realized that all these skills that I had gained over the years of learning survival skills, like I just wanted to run away, but I knew I was like, wait a second. I was like, If you want to do something to help, you know, you've got to use these skills to unite communities. So that's immediately what I did is I was like, I'm going to come back to Austin and I got a phone call from a lady. And uh, that's that was 10 years ago. So just a random homeschool mom who said. Hey, you want to come work with my kids? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, so I, origin stories are are beautiful, and I like that, and it stands for something, right? S T E A M, steam, that mm-hmm. science Math and technology, technology. Mm-hmm. What's the e? Um, it's
2: um education, arts, and mathematics. Ah, okay, mm-hmm. education,
0: mm-hmm. arts, and mathematics. Yeah, and because I've always wondered what like I see that word some places. I've never actually like dove into what that means. Well, it's
2: usually STEM and then STEM. Oh, STEM. Yeah. And then STEAM added the, a added the, the arts back into it to make sure that that it. was, okay, um, I've heard that, STEM before. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I think more recently it's kind of morphed into STEAM mm-hmm. um, to make sure that that's not a, a part of the educational system that's been lost altogether too, which it usually kind of falls on the wayside. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: <laughs> art. Yeah. Art does. Yeah. Um, there's that funny saying. Or, er- Earth without art is just, eh. yeah. <laughs> and that's definitely a, a so true.
1: A big thing about our school too, like the kids have the complete freedom. They can get covered head to toe in mud and paint. Um, we don't tell the kids no. Like that's not in kind of our language. We tell the teachers um everything with the kids is within the parameters of what's safe and what's unsafe for your body um so instead of saying no to anything you would say hey that's not a safe choice Um, but painting your entire body, that's perfectly safe. You're not, you're not hurting anybody by doing that. Um, it's in like our parent handbook, like don't bring your kids in clothes that you don't want ruined. We, they are outside. We have that too.
0: Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because
2: you, you'll have that experience kind of like what you were saying. You saw the father kind of like pulling his daughter out. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if it rains and there are these amazing puddles. Like, of course, we're going to encourage the kids to go jump, you know, and mm-hmm. if they're the weather's safe if it's raining if it's not thundering and lightning like go play in the rain go play yeah. in the elements that that's okay like as long as your body is protected by outerwear like there's nothing wrong with doing that and uh in the summer we love to celebrate international mud day it's on one of our yeah. owners birthdays yeah so <laughs> i mean head to toe like it's and that's hard that's hard for so some, it sometimes it's hard for some children if they've been raised very strictly but like, yeah. you can't get dirty it's, oh, it's very it. hard on mud day we we have some tears where it's just like I can't I can't possibly get yeah. muddy until you finally slowly get them in there and mm-hmm. slowly have them testing it out um, and so that's that's just something you know that they get to experience we want them to experience we try to be from tour from the minute they set foot on our campus we are not a uniform school mm-hmm. um, again don't wear anything you're going to be sad if it gets you know art and paint and work all over or dirt and mud like that's they're literally showing you kind of what they did throughout the day yeah. like mm-hmm. when they're coming home and um kind of going back to teachers, we've, about educators too, it's, you know, you have these really talented educators who, what we're learning through, even just the preschool aspect of it, when we interview different people to come in and um, how sometimes their, um, their passion, you know, when they're in certain uh, bigger, maybe franchised schools, preschools you're given kind of a box curriculum that that the whole franchise franchise across the U.S. is going to be doing the same thing every week and for those instructors whether they like it or not as teachers you have to teach this and then how difficult is that you know they tell us when you're trying to teach that to children who just aren't interested Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter you have to teach it it's what what is you know so the whole entire U.S. is teaching the whole entire same lesson at the same time um And so that kind of takes some of the passion away from the educator. And so this is a program where you can teach multiple years. You could teach the same age group and you're probably not going to necessarily recycle the same lesson plans because you have a different group of children each year and they have different interests. And so it's kind of always changing. And how much more fulfilling is that being able to be in that moment with that group and and, you know, Still be able to, to provide those academics, but in a way that, that they're excited about because that's what they are interested in, not what we are forcing them to listen to whether they like it or not.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's so shocking that we just continue to assume that one size fits all type learning yeah. is, is still working. Yeah. And then, and then when it doesn't work, we're like, what do we need to do? And everyone's like, throw money at it. I'm like, are you out of your mind? Like, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of places around the world that are doing really good things. I think that's what we call a blueprint, mm-hmm. right? It's what we start taking cues yeah. from. And we start understanding what is this child developmentally, what what's happening? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think y'all are the same as me. Cause I, my approach whenever I was a kid was like, I didn't want academics but that's because I didn't see the value in academics. Mm-hmm. So now when, as like a teacher, when I go to the kids and I say something and I'm like, yeah, these are fox squirrel tracks and that's an armadillo tail drag and that's the, and they're like, how do you know all this? <laughs> and I'm like, I just love nature. Like, I just think it's so fascinating and I just want to know it all because the more I know, like the more my adventures have the ability best stories in the world because I have all the wisdom of being (sighs) like I know that was a mountain lion tail that just ran across the street because I know (laughs) how you know and they're just like whoa and I think they (laughs) see you as a role model and now that they see you as a role model they're like well I want to be smart like Mr. Chris Mm -hmm. and so naturally like academics Mm -hmm. comes in and they start studying and then they realize well if I can do good at holding and retaining knowledge of bird nests I can definitely pass this math test You know, I can still apply myself in all these other ways. So, yeah, I'm I'm in awe of everything that y'all are doing out there at Havenwood. And I'm curious about um, other things that you do. So do you all offer your your full time school? So Mm -hmm. September to May. And are there any other opportunities maybe on the weekends? Do y'all offer programs that are uh, camp-based in the summer? Do y'all have fall break, winter break, spring break? Do y'all have anything like that going on?
2: We, um, so for our younger kids, we'll go year-round. We will offer summer camps for older um, kids. Kiddos, when the public school is out for summer session, and then Acton takes, I think, six weeks off in the summer. So we do offer camps oh, cool. for them. We love to have programs. Um, last year, we had our naturalists take families on hikes. I think they went to Pernellas Falls. And so Providing opportunities on the weekends for families to be together. And then we, cool. we're starting to look at um different, you know, just species and birds and things that are directly on our campus and thinking about doing like bird watching programs and things that we're um, able to kind of track now that we we've been there for about two and a half years. Yeah.
0: So. are y'all familiar with iNaturalist? Yes. That's, okay. That's good. what I was thinking of. Yeah, okay, we, Yeah, perfect. we've
2: been yeah, pinning things through that. So I
0: love that app. Yeah. Um And as far as uh, teachers, like how do y'all go about finding teachers and what qualifications and what things are y'all looking for for your staff?
2: I think the most interesting thing that we're seeing now as kind of we, we're going into our third year and um, is this year particularly, especially around the spring um, for like our older pre-K classes, we have had these really talented um, teachers seek us out. Mm -hmm. So they were at a place where they had been teaching and they wanted something totally different Mm -hmm. and they started doing research and they found our school. And so they, they actually came through the website rather than us. We do, we do job postings and we do your typical interviewing and, um, but what's been incredible is, is, is the teachers that have started to find us and then the passion that they share. And, um, so that, that's been really, uh, I guess a huge success for us is that we're creating a place where educators want to come and be a part of something that's different. Um, and it's exciting for them. So then of course, it's going to be exciting for the students that they teach, um, for our our younger, um, children, we, you know, it is, um, partial, uh, childcare. So people who have, who have done that for quite some time, um, who, who love, children who, like I said, it feels like, um, you feel safe enough that if you're dropping your child off, you feel like you're dropping them off with a family member, Mm -hmm. like that they're watching your most precious, um, people, you know, throughout the day and that they're safe and that they're loved. Um, and then educators, you know, of course, when you're, you know, interviewing, it's well, do you like to be out in nature? Like, (laughs) because you're going to be out there all day. And that's Mm -hmm. important because if, if you don't, then that's going to take away from what the kids are going to learn and experience. Kind of the same thing about like the food program, like, don't discourage them. Don't say something's gross or don't like let mm. them experience it. They, you know, even for parents who are like, my kids will never eat that at home. You'll be shocked what they'll eat yeah. at school and amongst their peers. It's like this positive peer pressure of like, look mm-hmm. at all this we get to eat. And, and, uh, it's, it's, it, it will be different sometimes than what you see at home. And so, um, for the younger age groups, it, they don't have to have like a, a, a Our older teachers usually always do have, like, a degree that they've come in, but you're starting to see um, for teaching degrees some, like, Montessori and Reggio, aspects and elements in classes there that's starting to be a part of their I'm, I'm starting to see that more and more with teachers that are certified yeah. um and usually the certified teachers are the ones that will teach the older the pre, the pre-k so they're they're basically they, they would have those same educational certifications that you would find in a public school but here it's it's people who love to be outdoors and they love to hike and they're excited like i could come to school and like where would i wear when i go hiking Absolutely, yeah. you could because you're going to be outside and you're probably going to go hiking, yeah. you know, um, and then for, you know, we've, we've, you know, had this staff where um, you start to see people who, who took a chance on something that was very different and then they'll start to refer people that they have worked with in the past and then you just start mm-hmm. to have this almost what feels like a family and yeah. Your referrals are always the best. I think that because they're someone that you're putting yourself on the line to refer to come in that like I love this place so much. I want you to come and join me. Cause I love working with you too. So mm-hmm. I want you to come be a part of this. And we hear like this is different. We've worked in different, you know, childcare and preschools and it's wanting to create that place where you you it's a hard job by it's exhausting. Oh, yeah. Um but for what it is, we want it to be the best that it could possibly be in that you love coming to work and you don't dread it and while you're there you're going to explore and find things and it's going to be a great day for you too even despite all the things that you're going to have to you know take care of with with all of your Mm -hmm. your children um but it's something you look forward to and don't dread
1: yeah and they get to hang out like uh, all of our staff are so close they do happy hours they we have a few teaching teams that are like they brought on their um, co-teacher that you y'all have worked together previously, and so we have some really great duos. And it is like we do kind of monthly um, events where we get together. We just got a, rented a boat on Lake Austin, and we had a staff party out there. Um, I think we're gonna do a like a Friendsgiving. Trying to mm. get, trying to get a uh, Brittany and Cody to host yeah. <laughs> for a staff event. I know in October we want to do a big uh, bonfire with like s'mores and stuff. So, a lot of time for connection because that's part of it too. Like, um, getting to work with your best friend and having just a time. Ton- I mean, what is more fun than getting covered head to toe in paint and mud? And you get to get these littles that you love covered and paint and mud, and you just have a blast, and, and that's your job, like, that's, you get paid to do that, like, that's insane, it's, it's so much fun as a
2: teacher, um, and you build relationships, too, with, uh, with the family, so, um, I think doing this around, you know, five or six years at this point, I've literally seen kiddos come in, uh, some of our owners' kiddos, when they were, um, probably 12 to 18 months, mm-hmm. and then now they're going into the first grade, second yeah. grade, um, and this has been their whole um, experience from from childhood. Ashley taught students before she was an assistant director, and most of those students just now went on to kindergarten this year, but she had had them since they were three months, three months, months old. Yeah. So yeah, it's such an, you know, it's, it's crazy to kind of watch, um, you know, someone be able to experience this from, from beginning to, to the time that you say, you know, see you later at summer camps. Yeah. So.
0: I love it. Um, I, I always tell the, the teachers who work for us too, the same thing. I'm like, it's the connections that we build mm-hmm. with these families that mm-hmm. truly make it Magical like we've mm. like I said I've been teaching for twelve years now and we've got kids who were probably eight when they started with me back then and they're now you know sophomores at University of Arizona studying you know evolutionary biology or whatever mm. and it's all yeah. because of these passions that we helped instill in them to want to know more about the natural world and uh, I'm just so excited that. You know, I always wondered when I started teaching. I was like, man, I wonder just when is going to be that day where everyone in every place like has a nature school that they can yeah. go to. Yeah, because like that's just the thing, mm-hmm. and there is no more. I don't, you know, want to be rude, but there is no more public schools mm-hmm. because I just call those government schools. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's you know it's like forced indoctrination, like we all know it is, and I want kids to be able to have passion-led invisible school type experiences because i see after being a teacher for 10 years that is what gets results you know when i try to force kids to do something they're adamantly opposed and they don't ever want to do that thing again just like i was when i was growing up in public school so for those people who maybe listen listening to this um what would the two of you give a little bit of advice for anyone who is considering starting a nature school
2: um I think, yeah, I think you need to, um, it, it's going to be, you're going to learn everyone's, I think going to be a little bit different, their experiences. And I think even if we, you know, we hope in the future to open more, every campus is going to be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think really getting to understand, like sitting down, um, what are the core values that you hope to come? What is it that you hope to gain? Like when your, your, your students are coming all the way through this program, what, what are the values that they're coming? Um, that you, you find most important. And like I said, for us, it's really this, um, love of learning. So no matter where they go or what they do, um, when they finish our program or continue on to the school, you know, that's right past, um, what are the things that are, that are most important to you and how, how can you kind of integrate those into what maybe normally people would think that you couldn't? And that, like I said, that was a big part of it. And I I, I am grateful, you know, we're talking about the closeness of our families, of the people who trusted us, mm-hmm. because this is nature schools or especially in, in, I feel like the age group that we're with, where we're with kind of, you know. Yeah. they're still fairly new. And yeah. so um, people are very curious about what that is. And there's a lot of, um, there could be skepticism in that. Is my kid really going to learn? Or I, I have to put him in this oh, yeah. school because this is the one they're going to be smart. And absolutely, you know, Saying that they, you there, you can get both, you can have this balance. And uh, I think back to the families who did have to take a chance on us and see what this was going to be about because we were brand new yeah. and especially during
0: the height of COVID, right? Yeah,
2: we were still it's renovating. Like, so, mm-hmm. you know, uh, picture this with me. <laughs> yeah. This is what it's going to be when this finally right. gets finished. But look
0: at y'all, 300 families,
2: yeah, 300 kids. And so, mm-hmm. I think too. I think that tells you that there's there's a need and a want for this. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Now, did you see any kind of die off when the, like, or I'm sorry, die off, in, in enrollment, did you see any like trickle off when the schools opened back up?
2: We've got the complete opposite. So yeah. I feel like since ours has opened, I, I feel like when the schools closed, here's what that provided. It provided all these families a chance because you obviously weren't taking your kid to a preschool. Like yeah. you, the, everybody was at home. Right. I think if, if schools hadn't closed in the way that they did, um, for us particularly, you could just, if for your, why not come look at our school and come, come see what we're about. If you're in your day to day grind and you don't have time, you're not going to stop, take time to take off work, to go look at this school to understand what this is about. You don't really need that. You're fine where you are. And, Mm -hmm. and for us, it's, everything is stopped. Why don't you book a tour uh, today, you're not probably getting out of the house much anyway. <laughs> so why don't you come on our Walk campus around. and see yeah. what we're all about. So for us, in a very strange way, it actually created this opportunity of people, no matter what they had been doing, you can come look at the school and just see, is this something that your family's going to be behind? Because I think it's important that the families, you know, not everybody's going to be as involved in nature and love it as much. But You might, you might be developing that through your child though, getting to see, you know, you hear people say, I want my kid to be a kid. Mm -hmm. I want them to be outside. I want them to be running around. And I hate that they're, they only get 30 minutes a day at certain places. And that's, that's it. And it's on AstroTurf, you know? And so, um, this has been a great opportunity to, um, kind of expand upon that, Where, yes, we definitely, you know, I think back to my childhood and getting to run around in the summers and um, always being outdoors. I don't, I think back, was it this hot when I was this young? Because in Texas, but we were outside from morning till, (laughs) until it was getting dark, you know, and we were in our neighborhoods and exploring and playing and um, our full days. And so having a piece of that back, you know, how how does, how does that happen while I'm taking my child somewhere else outside of our home? Um, and creating this, these um, spaces. And our, um, our owners wanted that for their own children, their own children have gone through the program. Um, mine will, con- you know, go through yeah. the program. And so it's been, um, been fantastic to be able to kind of bring that vision to life. And I think, you know, as many as the hardships as you face, like, you know, through yeah. permitting and things like it, there's been so many um, aspects that have really enabled the school to blossom and grow so that, we continue to build classrooms. We, we, we want the, um, we want the ratios to stay small. We don't want them to be huge. Some places you get like 18, 20, you know, we don't want that. We want to, you know, with our older kids, we max out at like 14 or 15 tops and with our younger kids, it's like 10 because there is, we want you to actually be learning and getting to do things and not just wrangling kids, you know, all day. Um, and so, um, but, uh, Ashley helps a lot with our admissions and we have wait lists that are, we can't even, we can't, we can't build enough classrooms. And that's, yeah, for sure. you know, so we, we definitely have just seen growth this whole time.
0: Very good. Well, I, is there any, uh, is there any other way that people can get involved? Meaning beyond like, do y'all have any volunteering opportunities at the, is it, you know, just a school, it's, it's obviously a garden and a farm. Are there anything more, uh, beyond the school? So some people have, um, adult classes for the families. Do y'all have anything like that, that you extracurricular to the adults? Like you had said, you'd encourage them to get out on the weekends, Mm -hmm. but do y'all facilitate those opportunities Um, of learning? And
1: we have a garden day coming up. So that is Eileen, who's our naturalist and Julie, our garden teacher, are coordinating um, just a family volunteer day on our grounds. And so they have different projects that they're working on. They'll send up kind of like a a sign-up with, do you want to help out with X, Y, and Z project? And the parents can pick and choose, and they can bring their kids, and that's coming up, I think, Sunday, September 25th or so.
2: And that'll be projects like building greenhouses mm-hmm. and certain things that they that's going to be a part of their children's classes. And so they're kind of, they get to kind of set that up. they le- they're learning about that too. Yeah. Um, and then we have different, sometimes there's different programs that will come in different aspects. Um, of growing. Um, I think we did mushrooms, I feel like in the fall of last year. So
1: yeah, in the last, uh, winter, their gardens were like exploding with oyster mushrooms. And so we had a lot of mushroom dishes in the kitchen that, um, they were going out and the kids were of course loving that. And they learned a lot. Um, our garden teacher would be like, Hey, this is an oyster mushroom and Hey, this is this mushroom. And, um, we, they went to the kitchens, if the, some of the teachers took them home, um, to cook at home for themselves, but they, the kids definitely liked, uh, getting involved with that too.
2: And I think in the last year, um, more so than, um, you know, nature and as- outdoor aspects, we had parents asking a lot about, um, kind of parenting classes. We, so we work with conscious discipline as, as a discipline structure, which is a lot of people don't know about that. It was created by Dr. Becky Bailey. And so it's a lot about, um, emotional regulation, um, which I think, you know, for, for generations like myself, like, um, learning how to, for example, like yoga is one of our enrichment programs And it's not just that we're out there doing yoga poses, but the kids from a very young age are learning breath work. Mm -hmm. So in conscious discipline, there's a lot of breathing techniques that you learn to help have actual physical tools to calm your body rather than saying, hey, you stop, stop Mm -hmm. crying, Mm -hmm. stop doing that. child that young that that doesn't help them they don't they have to understand like what can I do physically to help me learn how to calm my body or if I'm feeling anxious or sad what are the actual physical tools I can use and so that you know for for Our educators, it's something we educate them on when they come into the classroom. And then for parents, they want to know, like, what is this and how can I bring that into my home? And so some of the courses on that, it's usually having a couple of instructors that are um, really well-versed and trained in it and can do, you know, one thing through COVID is you can do everything on Zoom, right? Like doing these uh, online courses where they they can be interactive. We used to do um, things once a month called, like, Lunch and Learn. So we could take an aspect of conscious discipline or take an aspect of Uh, we could bring in our naturalist to talk to our parents to really focus on something in the program. And so parents may not be able to come to our school for that, but we can turn on a Facebook live and then answer any questions that they have in that moment. So they're understanding really the core of like what their kids are getting at school, but also how can I incorporate that in my home discipline? How can I, um, how can we go on nature hikes and what are we looking for? And um, you know, getting them kind of getting their feet off the ground in those areas.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Well, I just want to say thank you both for being on here and sharing your history and the meaningfulness behind why nature connection is important and how these families can get involved with Havenwood. So, is there anything you want to tell us about um, emails or how to follow you on Instagram? Do y'all have anything you want to promote here?
2: Yeah, so we've got um, we've got our Instagram, which is you can just search Havenwood Nature School. Um, we've got a Facebook. Um, that we've got up, you can and find us, you can, if you have any questions about admissions, it's everything is listed on our website, which is Havenwood, Havenwood And then, or you can email admissions at Havenwood nature
0: school. Very good. I am so thankful that y'all exist and that you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, anything else, Ashley?
1: Um, I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can go to our website. You can book a tour. Straight yeah. I was going to say website. book a tour. Yeah. Yeah. There's you're going to get on the wait
0: list. Yeah. Just book now. If you know you're having kids in two to three days. <laughs> yeah. <years, so. laughs>
1: yeah. But you can, all of that's on our website. You can book a tour on the website and then there's a button to register. Um, it'll notify us that you guys have registered we'll send you over kind of an introduction email with more information about the school and we kind of go from there
0: awesome shay ashley thank you so much yeah thank, thank you, you for having us yeah all right everybody y'all take care now we'll see you at the next episode bye